In today's podcast, we're going to go much deeper into the issue of race and racial injustice and how we can combat this in our homes, in our life, in society, and how we can do this at the dinner table tonight and what we can do every day. And also a lot of the things that I personally went through on my path to getting to this series. And so today we're going to be talking with an amazing woman who wrote an article for Scary Mommy and has started a website and social media pages called Guided by the Golden Rule. So I hope you all stay tuned and learn a lot about what I went through to get me to today and what she is trying to shine the light on for a new, more positive future for not only my children, but for her children and your children as well. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Super excited to be here with my new favorite human, Rachel Wade. Rachel Wade, I can say this. And she's here to share all of her background and what she's bringing to my world is next level. We had the most amazing conversation. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you for being my friend in my continued journey, because that's what this is. This is a continuation. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I'm so, I feel very blessed to have met you and have made the connection that we have because I feel like it's pretty special right off the bat. It really is. And when when you and I were talking the other day, because I always pre-interview everyone to make sure it's a good fit for whatever the series is or whatever I'm talking about or whatever. And I brought you my scary parts, my parts of where I've been on my journey to get to today. And my journey to get to today was talking with friends, doing research, and very importantly, and very painfully, being on a social media Facebook page that really challenged me to my core. And it really was a rebirth. I really feel Mm -hmm. it was a rebirth into a new self. Yeah. And some of those days I cried a lot. And some of those days I was angry a lot. And some of those days I just kept telling myself, like, they don't see me. They're not seeing that I have, as you and I talked about good intentions. I have a good heart, see past my white skin, know that I'm not out to get you know that I can be an ally. And that is not always the way we're going to this is, this is part of the process that you and I are talking about today. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think that one of the things that resonate, resonated with me so much about what you shared yesterday was just, or when we last spoke, was was just the willingness to go through that kind of battle, both internally and also to be willing to engage externally with the forces that are coming at you as you go through that journey, because that's the scary part. And that's the part that we have to kind of get over ourselves and get over that fear of what other people are going to think about our own ignorance is about things that we can't necessarily understand because it we haven't lived them. And I think from my perspective, you know, the way I really approach this is that it is kind of this golden rule mentality. How would I want somebody to approach this situation with me? And I think about kind of putting myself in someone else's shoes. And I've always kind of rejected the idea that it's not my job to teach or educate because I feel like that's a privilege. And I'm not saying that when I'm in the most pain at the at the hardest moment, I want to sit and have a conversation and let you know what that feels like per se. But I do feel like we have a responsibility to share our experience, share our journey, share our pain, share our struggle in order to help other people who haven't lived it really understand and ally with it. I can't expect you to know what it's like to walk in my shoes if I'm not willing to share and really share a personal experience, put a real face and a body and a name on an other. Because, you know, reading in a book is important and learning our education is important and being kind of ingrained in history is essential to have these conversations in a constructive way. But we also have to just have dialogue and be willing to talk and listen and learn and grow and admit where we've made mistakes or missteps and 
quite often unintentionally, not necessarily with malice. We just do them because we don't know any, we don't know any different. It's so funny when you were just talking about that and you're like, yeah, we can read a book and your, your premise of your website and all that you are doing and the article that you wrote for scary mommy guided by the golden rule talks about having this amazing library for your kids sitting down and reading with them. And as you were talking about, yes, we can read a book. It's very, very different. When we sit down with a kid, we are teaching them forward. What you and I are doing, what I went through, wasn't an undoing. Correct. Absolutely. And an undoing, an undoing of <laughs> white history is history. Everything you've learned in school is real. And you should do this and you should do that. And this is right and this is wrong. And those people are good and those people are bad. And right. to get to 48 years and that become a part of my sinew. Right. It is a part of my person that needed to be undone. When someone was like, as I told you the other day, I'm like, you, you're hurting my feelings. You, you don't understand. Like, I'm a good person and you're not seeing me for who I am. And you're judging me for being a white person. And they were basically like, well, that's too damn bad mm-hmm. because our, our people have been dealing with it for hundreds of years and it doesn't feel good, does it? And it was extremely painful. And they said, quit being that white fragility. And, and I'm the type of person, I'm a deep thinker. I sit with shit. I wait it out. I, 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 I spend time with it. I boil it down because I think it's super important to go, okay, what are they touching inside of me? That's painful. Right. And I think what they were touching inside of me that was painful was truth. Right. It is. It's like, you have to kind of reprogram yourself and you have to kind of reprogram everything that you might've told and all of the things that have kind of brought you to where you are right now, you have to kind of question that. And it, it's not necessarily a negative thing. You don't, I don't think it needs to be like a, I'm beating myself up for what has gotten me to where I am right now. It's almost like, I don't feel like there has to be an apology for it. It's not your fault. I actually have thought about this a lot in terms of like the colorism conversation within the black community. And, you know, I identify as a black woman, I am very light skinned. I have loose curly hair. Like my aesthetic does not necessarily represent how I feel on the inside. And I think that sometimes there's judgment from the community about that and an assumption made about what I might choose to benefit from or choose to accentuate based on just kind of what I am. And there's almost like a, it it almost feels like you're kind of victimized for something that you can't necessarily control. And I think a little bit of what you're, what you're touching on is that idea that like, we have to feel bad for something that we, we, you, you haven't necessarily had control over. And I think that's where the conversation often gets stunted for many white people because they don't want to feel bad. And I kind of approach it like, you don't necessarily need to feel bad, but you need to be aware. You need to understand what it is. And in your awareness, perhaps that's where the reprogramming is. And that's where decisions are made differently. That's where intention is made in how you educate and talk to your children. And so I think there's this idea a lot of times too, that kind of prevents people from coming to the table to have this conversation because they don't want to think about themselves or their history as negative. They don't want to focus on the bad and they don't want to share that with their kids. Again, as I kind of think about a lot of these things from like this golden rule perspective, and I I do approach it, especially when I'm talking to my children from a perspective of partnership. Like I I think about things from a different angle and I hope that that will in turn, allow other people on, on the other side to maybe be more willing to come and engage because we talk about the, the history of this country and slavery and the underground railroad. And, and instead of jumping out the gate with white people did this to black people, maybe we talk about where there was partnership, where white people helped black people find freedom. And then, you know, as, as then you get back into the history, but you have to kind of start from a place, I think, where people are going to be willing to engage. And I don't want it to sound like I'm giving, you know, like I'm, I'm touching it with, you know, egg walking on eggshells either, because there is a reality that is harsh and, and necessary to address. But again, I think it's, it's kind of like how I deal with my kids, like with, with certain things, it's like, I need to kind of get them to be open before I really kind of share the message. Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm, I'm like, we know the problems. 
is it important that we don't, we, we learn from them. We don't deny them. We understand them. One of my first episodes with Mejin was about understanding why to not touch or even ask to touch a black woman's hair or skin mm-hmm. because there was a historical energy that lives inside of many people of color of right. being inspected. Okay. Yeah. And so we need to, we need to be very base with reality. And some of us are going to be needing an undoing like I did to really, cause I'm a very visceral person to get very visceral with my learning. Mm-hmm. So it's at my core, but what you're saying and what I love about the light that you shine on this is look, we know there were horrible things that have happened And just as much as there was a horrible slave owner, just as much as there's good black people, just as much as there's bad Latinas and good Asians and all this other stuff, there's also good everyone's. And so we could either focus on all of the negative and sit here and, and belabor all of the problems we've ever had, or we can go, look, we're all, you know, here how do we move forward? How do we move forward and spend another hundred years, another hundred years doing this and, and pointing fingers and being angry. And I mean, I had one woman literally say, I don't trust you because you look like the people that owned my ancestors. And where do I go from there? Where does my conversation go? I'm literally, I'm broken at that point. I have nothing I can say. She's not wrong. I, she's angry as hell. You know, she wants it fixed. She's on the heels of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And I get it. Mm -hmm. But where do I go from? You look like a slave owner and we're freaking done here. Well, and that's the thing is there is so much pain within our community. There is so much raw pain. I mean, there's historical pain that we feel and we live and we pay for every day. And then you have the situations like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And every day, the names, there are countless names that we do not hear that don't make it in the news that are victims of this kind of aggression against Black people. And we are sad and angry and fearful. And that is a real, tangible pain that we are feeling and is, is being expressed in that manner. And fear, However, and fear for your children. Fear, fear I mean, for this, my children, yeah. a thousand percent. And, and that's part of why I have put myself in this position at this moment. I am not, like I, if you asked me 10 years ago, would we be having this conversation <laughs> now? I would have said, nope. hell no. <laughs> nope. and, and this is a, it's a very vulnerable place for me to be too. Yeah. This is obviously not a conversation that is easy for anyone to have, but it is that important to me to protect my children. And I think that's where I really come from this conversation too, because I think that we've been having it or not for a long time, but clearly it's not working. Whatever we're doing isn't working because look at where we are right now. Same so place. I'm really trying to think of something from a different perspective and, and engage in a in a real dialogue about how we work together. And if getting someone comfortable having this conversation in a different way, just getting off the, the, the starting line helps us kind of get to where we need to be, then that's it. I just want to engage. I want to, I want to find a way to make people open to talking about it and reprogramming and kind of undoing. And I think a lot of times when we start at you look like who enslaved my ancestors. I don't, I can't, I can't even trust you at all. While I understand that as a yes. black person and, and I feel that, I also don't see how that will get us to the next step. Which is and the so goal. I really, which is the goal. Which and, is the goal. And, and, and again, we need to keep our eye on the prize. We can't consider continue punching each other in the face and saying, no, it was you. No, you did it wrong. No, your people are this way. No, your people are that way. We have to, and I just, I literally just said this to my husband yesterday. I was listening to one of his phone calls, not on purpose. And I go, you're never allowed <laughs> to comply. I know. I go, you're never allowed to talk about problems ever again at work. I only want you to talk about the solution because you you know, your work and, and, you know, people in business and people in the world, you know, just as a whole, a lot of times we sit here and we want to belabor the problem and talk crap and sit in it and swim in the pain and swim in the difficulty and, and gossip and this and that. And we align ourselves with people that have pain like us. And one day we just need to wake the hell up and go, the kids that you're raising, Meredith, the kids that you're raising, Rachel, 
they're going to be my kids' friends and they're going to be at college together exactly. and they're going to be each other's coworkers. And we could exactly. sit here and, and kill each other uh, uh, literally, physically, emotionally, mentally about this stuff. Or we can decide that, you know what, the time is now and we're going to do it a different way to the point where you wrote an article again for Scary Mommy. You guys can look it up. Here's yes. what matters to me, comma, the mother of your child's black friend. So this is literally a letter to me from you figuratively. And mm -hmm. what I need to know raising white children so that I can hold them, teach them, open them to the world that is out there, be it at school today or at school at college or at, in the real world or when they become a police officer or when they become a firefighter or a judge or a lawyer or a doctor or a nurse and come into contact with a person of color, you're saying to me in this article, and we're going to go through it, mm -hmm. this is what you need to know to raise really freaking great white people. <laughs> Right, honestly. right. And you know, what I want to say is just go back to what you said before. I think that there needs to be a space for us to have that kind of commiserative misery conversation yeah. because course. that's therapeutic and cathartic, but that's also a different conversation than the one that we have to move forward. And like you touched on something too, at the very end of the piece that I wrote, I said, essentially, like, I want, you know, I'm almost like reliant on you to protect my child in a way. And in doing so, you're you're raising children that will stand up for my black son and speak up on his behalf when they see a wrong and kind of just be willing to have this conversation so that again, like my my big picture goal is that when your kids and my kids have their own kids, they're not having the same conversation that my mom had to have with me and that I still have to have with mine. And and that's the big picture. And just, you know, a little bit of where the piece evolved from, I grew up in a pretty predominantly white environment. And so I, I do almost feel a responsibility to kind of bridge this gap and kind of, I've always straddled these two worlds of, of my black and my white world. And so I feel like I'm in a position to both share my black experience and really kind of bridge that gap for many of the, the white friends that I'm very close to and hold very dear to my heart. And one of them reached out this summer as everything was kind of going on with Brianna and George. And, and she said, you know, what are you sharing with your children? And kind of more importantly, like, what should I be telling my white kids? Like if you wow. could design the conversation for my white children, for me to have with my white children, what would that look like? And I kind of started writing and, and it just kind of evolved into this piece that ultimately ended up on Scary Mommy, which was a blessing because I, I felt like as I was working on that and as I shared it with her, I felt, I thought, you know, if we're having this conversation, we cannot be the only ones that are really thoughtfully considering what is the best way to approach this with our children. And I wanted to, to share that in hopes that other people, you know, hopefully other people were having that conversation. And if I could just provide a little utility and a little direction from my perspective. And again, I can only speak for myself. I have a very, my experience is my experience. I'm not speaking right. for the black community. I'm not speaking for the entire biracial community. I'm speaking from Rachel, but for me, as I'm raising Brown children, these are the convert, these are kind of the, the things that are most important that I want my, my white friends. And there are many of them to think about as they kind of bring their children up. Yeah. Cause like, I always just thought, Hey, raise nice kids, be nice to everybody. And I remember when I was going, I, I thought I was going to be a teacher for five minutes when I was at Kent state. And I remember I had to make a lesson plan and it was like I had to, to do the cultural diversity mixed in with like English class. And so I had to use Latino names and I had to talk about experiences of like black people and I had to work it all together. And I remember thinking, what an absolute waste of time this is. Why can't we just call everyone Sue and Jim and Kelly and just move on from it? I don't need to work the word who's, you know, Jesus or Manuel or any of these names. This is a complete and utter waste of time. I remember mm. sitting there thinking, mm. what garbage is this? Mm. Fast forward, you know, what, 28 years. Right. 
now I understand how important, and it's so, just like microaggressions are the devil, right? Micropositives are are the the soil and the seed. And so when we have the micropositives, which are, oh, that's a normal name. That's a normal person in history. Oh, I know that story. Oh, those people are powerhouses in our history books. And Mm -hmm. it's not the same for people that did civil rights. And I know Mm -hmm. a lot of powerful, strong, intelligent, amazing people of color and, and it's a part of, again, my sinew of who I am. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at teaching children, te- not only, you know, like you said, the golden rule, treat other people as you would want to be treated, but we need to make this a part of all children's reality that we can Correct. come together, that there is hope for a better future based on literally, literally listeners friends out there, what Rachel and I are talking about today. Literally, this is what is going to change our world and your children's world. Because when we teach hate, and this has been a big theme throughout this entire series, when white people teach their children to to not be inclusive and not have equity and not have diversity in their life, You are teaching your children a lie and you are teaching your children to hold on to energy that is negative for their body, for their soul and for their mind, and that they're going to have to undo one day. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to undo it. There will be a reckoning. Mm -hmm. We all, I believe we all have a reckoning. And it's a a false reality. It's just not how the world works. You're going to have to accept that that is happening around you. And more and more, hopefully, as we continue, so teach them the real world. And for me, it's about so much of it is about exposure. And I think that, you know, I, in the very beginning of the piece, I I reference my mother's Jewish. So we add that to the mix too. And so my children all went to a Jewish preschool. And in the very beginning of the piece, I I share that my three-year-old came home one day and was upset because one of her classmates said that her skin looked like poop. And I think that this is, I've heard other people share that this is not, this is like a somewhat common story. Like other kids have, people have said, Oh, my daughter, you know, and, and I think that there's this book that I love. It's called shades of black. And it's just, it's got every kind of complexion and hair and and just shows like, even for my black children, they're like, wow, I didn't realize that we could look like that. And, and I, and I almost feel like, you know, I'm sure this is a book a lot of black families have, but this is a book white families have, because I, I go back to that moment. And I think if that white little girl had that book in her home, she wouldn't have the association of poop with my daughter's brown skin. She might think of a cookie or a pretzel or whatever number of other analogies they put in that book or images, visual images they give to kids to think about when you're thinking about the range of, of what we look like. So it's really about exposure early on. And I think it's, it's also about not being afraid of different. I think that this idea that we're so afraid to highlight or discuss something different when someone has a different complexion than us, when someone has a difference at all, whether it's a disability, whether it's a language barrier, whatever it is. And I, I think it's kind of repositioning and reprogramming how we talk about difference too. And And again, I think that there's so many positive ways to discuss how we are different and so many things that difference brings to the table that it doesn't have to be something that we fear, that we run away from talking about. And that's kind of what has happened. We're afraid to talk about what we're different. And I think a lot of of my friends will say, you know, I almost don't want to introduce race to my children when they're young because I feel like that's going to make them see something that isn't there. They're so innocent. They're so naive. They don't see your children as any different. And to me as a black person, that's, it's the most kind of like whitewashing. Well, and it's, it's so, it's such an unintentional hurt. Yep. I, yep. you know, I know that the ma- malicious intent yep. isn't there, but as a black person, like my color is who I am. That's how I identify. And, and I it's identify not a negative. With, it's exactly. It's something <laughs> I Pointing celebrate. It out I, is, yeah. <laughs> it's not a negative and it's something I celebrate and, and everything that comes with it, whether it's our culture, our food, our hair, our history, our pain, all of that is something that I want to highlight as a positive. And I am currently highlighting that as a positive with my children at home. Yeah. So it's also like a weird mixed message for them to then get out of the house and have people pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. Like what do people, I don't see color. Like, well, why right. not? What's, I mean, I don't have to use your color also, to like, define you. Right. 
you do too. Everyone does. I mean, I, I know you right. look different than me. Not not too much today. I mean, we're <laughs> we're both we're both we need some vitamin D. Yes, I would agree with that. But when we were talking about this too, and I think because because we're at this precipice, in my opinion of moving the needle and how do we move the needle by conversation and how do we have a conversation with someone that doesn't look like us? There's a lot of people right now, people of color that say, you know, and I heard it, look, I'm not here to teach you go open a book, go Google it, Mm -hmm. you know, or you could have claimed ignorance before, but that's over with now, or, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the many other things and, or or the, you know, the unintended, not malicious racism, where you were talking about someone attended a party and it was an antebellum party and it was X amount of years ago. And they're just getting, you know, the fact of the matter is, is I would have to say, unless you've lived under a rock, 99.99% of white people have said something, done something, been a part of something that was racist. Absolutely. That's where we're at. That's just where we're at. It's just reality. And the thing that I want to say is I, again, I go back, you know, I'm a mom of three. I know you're a mom of many. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, God bless you. I go back to kind of how I, how I deal with my children. And there's a lot of like, we've been home now for a year. There's a lot of battles over this, that, whatever. And, and there's a lot of consequences, but I, I, I go back to the value of a consequence or the value of a punishment. And there is no value when I don't explain to my kids why they're in trouble. And I think that there's a lot of kind of knee jerk reactions to missteps people make about race, whether it's 10 years ago, 10 minutes ago. And I think that they're absolutely, those need to be addressed and they need to be discussed. And in some cases, consequences need to occur. But I, I think that a lot of times what's missing is like the message and the explanation. And these are really teaching moments. These are moments when we can have a conversation and, and get some growth. Maybe that's harder to do than just kind of shut it down and say, you've done wrong, like move on. But I think that we really have to capitalize on the moments where people make mistakes and use them to teach and use them to explain. And again, I can only speak for myself. I completely understand the the fact that many people don't want to take that on. They don't want, they don't feel it's their job and and they're entitled to that. Yeah. I'm entitled to my opinion. And I feel like I, I want to take that on because from where I sit, it makes sense for me. It might not make sense for anyone else, but for me, this is kind of, it's, it's just who I am. And I want to engage and I want to talk because I think that in sharing my experience and sharing where I'm coming from, if putting myself out there a little bit will help someone else get a little closer to where I hope they'll be so that the world looks a little different for my children, then, then I'm all for it. Like, that's why I'm here. Yeah. And when I'm looking at that, it's like, I can see people of color going, I've helped you enough. I don't need to help you over this finish line. Like, I don't need, like, I want to talk shit about you. I need to get this off my chest. I'm not happy with your people. I'm not happy with people that look like you. I need to vent this out. There are many people that deserve that response. There are many people that their, their intent is not genuine and they are, yeah, they're not, they're not going to move. And, and I, and so I think that it also matters who you're talking to and it matters if the person sitting across from you is genuinely like, that's part of what I want to do on uh, that's part of what I kind of started this guided by the golden rule.com and Instagram account to do was engage with people. And I very specifically say it's, it's to ask well-intended questions and it's a safe space to have this constructive dialogue. If you're not interested in it, I'm not interested in having it. And I think right. there's a lot of people that, that, that are not genuinely interested and are, are kind of not that you're not going to change their opinion. And, and those are the people that I'm talking to. I'm talking to people like you. I'm talking to people who genuinely want to ally themselves with a situation that they know nothing about. And that's kind of what I'm here to kind of help them do. Yeah. And I'm going to go here because I know I can do this with you. Mm-hmm. There's going to be people that listen to this series and is like, Meredith, you're full of shit. You just want to seem like you're aligning yourself with people of color. You know, you come and were raised in a white community. You live in a white community. You really don't have any black friends over to your house. You're full of shit. And there's people that are going to look at people that I've had on that are like, why are you playing to a white woman who's got white listeners? There's going to be people of both sides listening to Mm -hmm. this series telling me that I'm full of shit 
and that the people that I'm talking to are no better. Well, I was going to say, I, I guarantee you that I will get that same response. And that's also yeah. part of the fear of kind of putting yourself out there, exactly. especially when it's, it's so well-intended and you really just want to help and move a lot, move it along. And you know, you just open yourself for like criticism. And I absolutely assume that, that people will think that about me as well, but I guess I, I don't understand how we're supposed to get anywhere if we don't take a step. And, and this is yeah. a step. This is a, this is a step that we can do. So again, no one is going to do it in a day. No one is going to solve this. And there's no right or wrong way. I don't think that we can say this is the right thing to do to get us where we need to be, or this is the wrong thing to do. But with your, within your power, you're doing what you think will help and I'm doing the same. And yeah. if people want to criticize that or, or think it's a negative or kind of break it down and pull it apart, that's on them. I can't, I, I think I have to kind of unapologetically be me in this yeah. moment, speak from my own shoes and do what I can do and what I think I can do to help. And again, it all kind of goes back to making this place safer for my babies who are beautiful and sweet. And my son is going to be a tall black man who is the most gentle, sweet soul ever. And the thought of him who will likely be a six, five big kind of guy being mistaken for something that he isn't simply because of the color of his skin is incredibly heartbreaking and enough to bring me here to put myself kind of fully out there for criticism, simply to, to, to do what I can. I love this. And we talked about that too. Like the inside and the outside aren't always the mm -hmm. same. Correct. And we need to stop. And I mean, I, I'm sure I'm going to be talking about this in every single series because in every conversation I have, no matter what I'm having about women in business, LGBTQ, parenting, whatever, mental health, what I am mm -hmm. finding across the board in every single conversation, and this is what we need to start cracking open our minds, the inside and the outside almost never match. Right. The right. facade, the Instagram, the smile, right. the, the color of your skin, the texture of your hair. It doesn't always mirror what's going on inside of a person, be it by way of mental illness, by way mm -hmm. of health, by way of who they are mm -hmm. and the labels and the shelves that we put everyone on to make a nice neat package to make me understand the world that when I walk and see your son on the street, I should be afraid because I right. am a woman who is white and this is the label and, and this is the undoing of humanity mm -hmm. to me. This yeah. is truly the undoing. Stop taking what you see and going, I know exactly what that person is. I know exactly what this person is going to do. I am in fear or she's going to be an asshole or whatever. And I'll be honest with you. And, and we talked about this too. I don't always love having white skin because there are people of color that are going to go, she's a Karen up. Oh, she's right. over 45. She's white. She's, you know, lives in the suburbs. Definitely a Karen. And it's like, almost like I want to wear a t-shirt that says I'm not right. Right. You know, I'm it's working true. on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And it's, and it's a behemoth task, right? Like from the very Ugh. beginning, from the, the moment you're born, you, you're kind of inundated with images that we make judgments about. And you to, to kind of try to undo that is virtually impossible. I don't know how you really do. But I, again, I think it's that intentional work. And it's that intentional work with our children from the very beginning. Like I talk about, you know, exposing white children to black stories. Like, is there too early to talk to your kids about race? Of course, there's a too early to have a conversation about slavery. Like you have to be age appropriate. You're not going to talk to a three-year-old about the underground railroad per se, but you can introduce them to just black characters and black settings and have that be kind of just part of their norm, just a story with a black character. Yeah. And have them used to seeing different color skin or, or, or Asian or Hispanic or whatever it is. I mean, there's, there's a book that I love called Fly Away Home by Eve Bunting. It's about a homeless dad and son who live in the airport. And it's not about color or, or race, or, uh, but it's about class. And it's about it's, it's something that my children don't live. And it's just exposure to people who are living 
differently than you. And, and that leads to conversation and dialogue. And it leads to just an awareness. Like my daughter the other day just kind of ran in and she's like, mommy, look what I drew. And it's this, like this poster that said like red, black, brown, it doesn't matter, like equal rights for all. And, and like, you know, I just, not to sound like, oh, like look at what my daughter did, but it's just, I, I think that it shows that the more that we just kind of talk about this, it, it just kind of, it gets in their brain. And I don't think they think any other, any differently. And I think that the more we kind of just make that part of our daily with our kids at a very young age, the more that like, we're going to raise a generation of kids that just kind of naturally gravitate towards talking about the things that we need to talk about to get us where we need to be and like gravitate towards protecting each other and seeing each other as truly part of like a, a unified group, not the same because we're not all the same, but seeing our differences and celebrating them and not being afraid of them. You can see people's inner little racisms when they'll, they'll be describing something like, oh, I had a conversation with the black girl the other day and she, <laughs> and you're like, totally. you're allowed to say black girl because totally. she is, she but it's is, almost right. that squeeze, mm-hmm. you know, whereas my son, mm-hmm. when you see my nine-year-old talk about it, she'll be like, he'll, you know, he might be talking about this girl and this and that, and she has browner skin than I do. And it's very, just a part of the conversation. It's very right. just blonde hair. It's very much green eyes. It's very much Lululemon pants. It's just a part of the conversation. Right. There's right. no squeeze. Right. And, and right. you can feel that squeeze because there's a tightness there. Right. And, so and, if and it's that connotation yes. that you associate with that, that, yes. that creates a it, squeeze. And when there's yes. no association, there's no squeeze. There's no squeeze. And so right. I would challenge my listeners to say, when you feel the squeeze, that's a, that's a button. That's something that mm-hmm. needs healed in you. And so mm-hmm. if you are describing, and I will ask them like the one gal I had on, she was from Haiti. I'm like, do you consider yourself Haitian American, African American, black? What do you want to be referred to as in this context? And she's like, I don't care whatever you want to say. But the thing right. of it is, is the squeeze, the squeeze, that's your insecurity for where you fall on this topic. Yeah. That's and right. when I go back and we also talked about, you know, we need to stop killing people for what they did before. Right. I did, I'm sure, really stupid stuff. Like when I was becoming a, a non-teacher <laughs> and I was pissed because I had to work Manuel and Jesus and do a lesson plan. That's racism. I was being racist, mm-hmm. raising my right hand. I thought it was stupid to incorporate things into a lesson plan when it wasn't, quote, necessary. Right. And so, to, you know, looking back on that, it's like, I mean, it kind of makes my stomach a little sick. It's kind of like, God, what kind of a piece of shit are but you? That's gross. But that's, it's gross. That's gross. Yep. It's gross. I, I was at a, a party, a, a teenager's party for a sporting event. And some gal came up to me that I went to high school with. And she felt very comfortable saying the N word in reference to the color of her tanned skin. Now, granted, my eyebrows mm. fell off and mm-hmm. I just sat there going, But now I would Mm. have better language. Now I would know. Now she would know. Don't say that to Meredith because she ain't going for it. And that's what comes from this conversation. That's what comes from normalizing this conversation. And that's what comes from humanizing the other is because you get your legs under you to speak up and you get your, you get your sensibility about yourself to say, Oh, you know what? That triggers something in me that doesn't feel right, but I'm I'm actually going to act on it and speak on it because I'm comfortable enough engaging in this conversation that I now feel like I have the tools to do it in a way that makes sense and represents what I'm actually trying to say. And it's not this like emotional knee-jerk reaction that doesn't necessarily convey a constructive message. And, yeah. and I think the more we do this, the more you're able to do that. So I, I think that that's a perfect example of why we have to do more of this. The goal of you and I talking, it's so that two more people talk and two more Correct. people talk and two more pe- friends talk. And, and one other white person is not afraid of the, to have the conversation with their black friend and the black friend isn't afraid to have a conversation with their white friend. And, and to know it's, you're not placating white people by allowing them to ask questions and you're not attacking right. black people by asking questions, be, you know, be mindful of your audience. 
Be kind, be understanding. They might not want to answer your questions. They might not be ready for you. You might need to go somewhere else. You might need to go on. But don't let that discourage you. But don't Don't let let it discourage discourage you. you. Yes. No. And I was just going to say that same, that same kind of thing is related to timing. Timing is everything as with everything in life. And so if, if the timing isn't right, try again at another time or with someone else. Don't let one person's response discourage you and kind of shut that conversation down because somebody else, as with anything, you know, there's one door closes, another door opens. It sounds so cliche, but it's true. The next person you ask, it might be a really constructive conversation. Yeah. And the thing, most people that look like me are coming from Europe, not all the same places, but England, very conservative. Like I said, when I went to London, the dogs didn't even bark in the park. It was like very conservative, brush it under the rug. Don't talk about it. Be polite. Let just, you know, let everything be the way it is. And what we saw the other day with Meghan Markle and Prince Mm -hmm. Harry's conversation, it's not polite anymore. Right. Shit's hitting the fan. Yeah. The dirt's coming out from under the rug. It's time to have a conversation. We're done with the nonsense. You know, right. it, it, it's it's obvious. It's plain. It's there. And so let's shine some light on it. Like it's, yes. we're, we need to move forward. And I don't know if you saw today, like there was a, a headline. I didn't see the full statement, but it said that William put out a statement saying, you know, we're not racist. The, the family is not racist. And to me, I think like the ugliest characteristic anyone can have is like a lack of humility and a lack of the ability to acknowledge when they've made a mistake or acknowledge that there might have been a mistake that was unintentional. Like I, this is another thing that I go back to with my children. I think a lot of times you hurt someone's feelings. I didn't mean to. Okay. If you didn't mean to, you still have to apologize. And I think that comes a lot with, with this stuff too. Like, I think a lot of acts of racism are not necessarily malicious. There are a lot of just kind of underlying to your point, little like micro aggressions that, that people don't even understand where they come from, aren't aware of them and don't necessarily do it with malintent. It's simply a a result of their lack of education, lack of exposure, lack of lived experience in anyone else's situation. And so again, I think that just because you don't mean to be racist or just because you don't mean to hurt someone's feelings does not mean that you get to not apologize for it or get to pretend it didn't happen. You still have to acknowledge that moment and acknowledge how that might've hurt someone or what that might have done to be destructive in some capacity. And then you have to kind of undo it, work it out, figure out how you're not going to do that again. And so I think what we're seeing here too, with this, with all of this stuff in England, it's like, you know, this idea that like, Oh, I'm not racist. No, we couldn't, there's no way. And it's, and I think a lot of people feel that way when their, their intent perhaps might've not been there, but their act was still that. And I'm not putting that on what's happening over there. I, I, uh, we don't know the facts, but I'm just saying, I just think that there's this idea that you don't kind of have to apologize if that's not what you meant or didn't realize it was what it was. And I think that that's such an ugly trade. And that's also what kind of keeps us from moving forward. Like you have to be able to say, I made a mistake and I'm sorry. And like, how can I do better next time? Or like, I didn't even realize I messed up like that, but like, what can I do better? Yeah. I mean, people will listen to some of my other episodes that will have this series and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that I shouldn't ask to touch a black woman's or man's hair or skin or whatever, ask them questions about it. I didn't know that was inappropriate. And yes, now my one podcast is out there, radio, you know, whatever is out there, but it's one more opportunity. And, and, and guess what? As a person of color, you're allowed. It's okay. We welcome, at least I do, telling me, yeah, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't good. Of <laughs> like, course. Me, I, I don't know all the time. And I think that honestly, that's, that's part of what having this dialogue helps me do as well as the person of color in this, as maybe perhaps the one who's educating on yeah. what it's like to be in my shoes. I think the more comfortable I am in having this dialogue with a white person allows me to kind of find my bearing a little bit more in terms of saying, you know what, like that makes me uncomfortable. Here's why, or that's unacceptable. And these are the reasons here's like, here's how we feel. Here's how I feel. 
So I think it goes both ways. It's not just about kind of white people getting more comfortable having the conversation. It's also about people of color getting more comfortable kind of figuring out how to stand up for themselves in a constructive manner and move the conversation in the right direction. Like that's really, again, like whatever kind of criticism I get come at me, I kind of, as I, as long as people understand my intentions, they might not necessarily like what I say, and they might not necessarily agree with how I'm going about it. But my intention is to simply create a space to continue the dialogue and have more of it in hopes of getting to a better place. And I, and I don't know, you know, I I don't know how else to do it than this, than this way for myself. And I mean, I know that there are men and women of color out there who would rather, you know, do anything but have a conversation with a white person about their pain, mm-hmm. about, you know, For what sure. they go through with at, at work. Like I said, I know I know of nurses that ha- have had patients say, I don't want you as my nurse because you're black. Get me another nurse. That is a person mm. who is dealing with huge pain, huge pain. Right. And so we need to respect that anger. Correct. If we're able to work as allies as a white and person of color team or just not, maybe, maybe I can't be a teammate with that person. Maybe they don't want to be a teammate with me. And I understand that. I mean, I I can't understand that kind of pain in, in that capacity. I haven't had to deal with that. And so I'm looking at these people who are on the daily still dealing with aggression at work, being treated unfairly, being dealt with unfairly by the police and the legal system and the medical field and you name it. Mm-hmm. business, not being education. hired, education and, and also Real school, estate, everything. Right? just everything, everything, yep. everything. Yep. interest everything. rates when getting a mortgage. Believe Correct. me, I've done the work to get here, but mm-hmm. that still does not mean that you are where I am or that that person is. And we're all, we couldn't right. get more of a spectrum of people of hate and anger for white and black and hate and acceptance and love white and black. So we need to respect the spectrum yes. of what Absolutely. people are experiencing. Believe me, Brianna Taylor's mom, I don't know her, you know, she might not be so ready to have a conversation with me about moving the needle. She might be like, I still need justice for my daughter. So let's start with that. And And so everyone's going to be on a different playing field and we need to be really mindful of that. But as your articles, and I hope everyone runs out, here's what matters to me, the mother of your child's black friend, is get the books, read the books with your children, find partnerships that make sense, normalize the conversation, talk to someone who's lived it, who is willing and open to have this conversation with you, celebrate differences in your family and your friends and your community and your school and your your church or whatever, and understand we can move the needle. It might take decades, but we can start today by things like what we're doing right here today with you and I going, let's try. Let's just talk. Just talk. Let's talk. And listen. Let's talk and listen and listen and actually hear each other. Like, I think that's, that's really the biggest, the biggest step as important as it is to learn and read. We have to engage. Yeah. It's so important because we cannot keep doing this for another 50, 100 years. It's exhausting. It's financially a waste of time. Mm -hmm. It's emotionally, mentally a waste of time. We got to hold us all back. It holds yep. us all back. I think that we see that when it's kind of like, you know, when women supporting women, like when yeah. we all, it sounds this ideal, like this idealistic view, but it's true. Like you spend so much energy keeping someone down to put yourself up and, and you hurt yourself in the process. It's yeah. like holding on to pain, just like forgive and let go. And then perhaps we can like all move forward. So I just think that not forgiven in terms of this, which is when right. you have a grudge with someone like you, that hurts in you general. more than it hurts yeah. them. Yeah. In general. So I just think that it's, it's so important to, to focus on, on moving forward and where we can go and how we can kind of, how we can come together. And really just, it's about modeling, especially as parents, like modeling for Love, our children. I think, forgiveness. you know, 
Yeah. Modeling kindness. and just like, and learning. And, and I think it's so important for our kids to see when we're wrong and when we make a mistake. And I, I referenced this yesterday too. It's like when our kids make a mistake, they're allowed, we're all allowed. That's how you grow. And that's how you learn. And like, if your kid says something that's like so uncomfortably racially insensitive in public, don't freeze up and shut them down because that's going to stunt their conversation about this topic right then. Like, let them know, like, Oh, you know, let's talk about it. Don't yeah. just kind of, cause they're going to read your reaction as much as they're going to read what your, what your response is. And I yep. think then that when they see us freeze up and we're not comfortable, then they're going to kind of take that message that they shouldn't be either. Yeah. So you on your website yes. guided by the golden and then also at Instagram guided by the golden rule. Yes. You have a plethora of books that people can model and look at and, and use, and you have a bunch of anecdotes and you have ideas yes. and thoughts. It's really a working space for continuing this conversation with you and with people of your community, meaning that are inside the guided by the golden rule community who are wanting to have and further this conversation. And so this is super exciting that this is something that you're, you're doing and you're going to actually grow. You have intentions of growing it. Yes, absolutely. Like for me, it's all about community and it's about conversation. And so I started that space with the intent of sharing resources, kind of extending the article so that, yeah, I mentioned a couple titles in the piece. Well, here's, you know, a bunch more books that we're reading at home. I'm trying to give some of my writing on certain topical events or kind of current events and kind of what my perspective is. And my real intent is to kind of create more dialogue like this. Like I want people to reach out to me. I want to talk. I want to have one-on-one. I want to have conversations with, with groups of people. I think that the more we kind of create this safe space to have this dialogue and continue to let it grow, I think will kind of just push us in the right direction. So on the website and on the Instagram, you'll find resources, you'll find articles that resonate with me, my you know personal experience or some of the stuff with my kids on there, but it's really about providing utility and creating a safe space for dialogue. Yeah, I love that. Well, I so appreciate you spending time with me and sharing, like you said, you know, a lot of what we talked about here today, people can cut it up and pick it apart and and whatever. And we just have to do what's right for us and our families and our children and our future. And you've had an interesting perspective by being of mixed race and Jewish and living in New York City over COVID and raising children of color. And so you really have a very interesting and beautiful perspective that I so appreciate you you. sharing with me today. I really, really appreciate you holding my hand and our listeners' hands and carrying them through this to hopefully a better place of conversation, of awakening, of raising their children, of the dinner table conversation tonight with their children, of how to handle When your child does say something that's awkward, you know, and they don't know how to handle it, you're a great resource as to what to do and how to raise our children so that 10, 20, 30 years from now, we don't have the same problem. We cannot continue to make this. That's insanity. We got to stop. So thank you so very much for being here today. I just, I'm so blessed. Thank you for creating the space. Thank you. I feel very blessed to be here. And I, feel blessed to talk to your audience and to talk to you. And I appreciate you so much for being willing to engage because I think that's, that's the, the biggest first and most important step. And so I just, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Thank you. So we're going to be having a lot of more amazing women on the rest of this series for people of color in the world, subscribe, like comment, leave uh, whatever. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind-the-scenes footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers.